Amen. Well, why don't you guys turn with me to the book of James. James chapter 4, and we're going to study verses 1 through 7. I should have said this. Maybe I did. I don't know. After teaching the second service, it's like, did I already say that? I'm not sure. Um, I'm Daniel, and I am the high school youth pastor here. It's a blessing to be able to serve the youth. Um, and uh, yeah, it's wonderful. So James chapter 4, title of this message is Draw Near to the Lord. Draw near to the Lord. This is the call for each and every single one of us. That we would draw close to Jesus. That we would know him. That we would walk with him. And that there would be no higher calling, no greater aim in our lives than to know Jesus and be known by him and have a close, deep, personal walk with him. Amen? So let's go ahead and read this passage, starting here in verse 7. It says this, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. This is a very um, heavy portion of scripture, isn't it? <laughs> uh, as, I, as I read that now, maybe even some of you guys are thinking, wow, lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning. <laughs> Why in the world would he choose a passage like this? <laughs> uh, a number of weeks ago, I was having a quiet time and I was reading James and I came across these verses. Have you guys ever had it where you are reading a verse that you know you've read before? hundred times. I've read these verses, I can't tell you how many times, and on that morning, the Lord just spoke so near to my heart in a way that I feel like he's not revealed these verses to me, and I said, if Troy asks me to teach for him soon, that's what I'm going to teach, and so here we are, um, and as I started studying it, I was like, oh yeah, lament, mourn, and weep. Great, we get to talk about that this morning. This will be wonderful, so buckle up. It's going to be great. Um, listen, I know that it's heavy. At the same time, though, we have in here some of the most amazing and wonderful and beautiful promises in the entire Bible, don't we? Um, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and what? He'll lift you up. Resist the devil and what? He's going to flee from you. And perhaps most famously and the most emphasized portion of this, these four verses is to draw near to God, and what? He's going to draw near to you. Now, these are promises. These are statements that say, if this happens, then this is the natural result. If you humble yourself, he will lift you up. If you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And if you draw near to God, he what? He will draw near to you. Do you realize that each and every single one of us can have a deep, close, real, personal relationship with the Lord? We can have that. We can have a closeness to Jesus. And not only are we exhorted in scripture to do this, this is actually a command, draw near to God. The Greek tense uh, is what we would call an imperative, meaning you are commanded to do this. So we don't just have the obligation to draw near, or we do have the obligation to draw near. We're commanded to do it. We're commanded to do it. We must. This is one of those commands in scripture that's like, I want that. 
<laughs> Check, that, that's like easy for me to grasp, isn't it? It's a wonderful command. For the Christian, this command is like saying, hey, you should keep breathing. Hey, you should, you should let your heart still beat blood through your body, right? Um, those things are essential for our living. And in the same way, our nearness to Jesus is essential for our walk with him. It is essential. And the amazing promise is this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. As I take a step toward the Lord, then he's going to take a step toward me. As I draw close to the Lord, the promise, the outcome of my drawing near is that he will. He is faithful to draw near to us. And so why is it that many times, many of us, probably all of us, will go through seasons of like, I'm just not close to the Lord right now. Why is it that many Christians will, will walk their entire walks, their whole Christian life, thinking, I am far from the Lord? The desire is there, the want is there, but it's not a reality. Why is it? You know, I remember when I was very first saved. I got saved as a sophomore in high school. Um, and uh, I think I was 15 or 16 years old. I got saved at a youth retreat, a snowboarding retreat in Wolf Creek, Colorado. Um, and uh, I just remember this pastor, he gave a message. I answered the altar call, accepted the Lord. I was excited about my walk with Jesus. Unfortunately, this church that I got saved at was about 45 minutes away from where I live. And so I didn't get plugged in. I didn't start going to church. I wasn't discipled. Um, and so I didn't grow. And I had a strong desire in my heart, like, I really want to be close to Jesus. I really want to be close to the Lord. But I didn't know that I needed to forsake my sins. Nobody told me. Right? I didn't know that I should read my Bible and apply it to my life. I didn't know any of these things. I wasn't, I wasn't trained in the ways of the Lord. And it wasn't until a few years later that I got plugged in. I started reading. I started doing the word of God. And I grew in my walk with the Lord. And there was a closeness to him. And here's the thing. I think that often when we have the desire, I want to draw close to the Lord. I want to be close with Jesus, but it's not there. Could the reason be is that we are trying to draw close to the Lord on our own terms and not his terms? Because did you know that the Lord has terms for us to draw near to him? The Lord has terms for this. You see, if you're a Christian, I believe that we all have that deep desire, don't we? We all want to draw close to the Lord. We hear the phrase, draw close to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. And our hearts swell with longing and anticipation. I want it. We want to be close to him. But we have these seasons of I'm not close to the Lord. We might go through life of I'm not close to the Lord. And I think one of the main reasons is, is that I'm trying to draw close to the Lord on my terms not on his terms. Who's the Lord? He's the creator. He's the all-powerful one. He's the one who's sovereign. He's the one who is over all, and so it would naturally follow that if I want to get close to one such as that, it can't be how I want to do it. It has to be on his terms. And so as we approach this passage, uh, James says four things in here in verses 7 through 10 that I believe are all connected with our drawing close to the Lord. How do we draw close to the Lord on his terms? 
How do we do that? Four things. We do this by submitting to him. We do this by resisting the devil. We do this by repenting of our sins. And we do this by having an attitude of humility, humbling ourselves before the Lord. So it's the introduction. We're called to draw close to the Lord. I want to draw close to the Lord on his terms. And so what is the first step in that? Verse seven, first part of verse seven, therefore submit to God. We draw close to the Lord by submitting to him. The word submit is actually a military word and it means to rank under. So there's a, I'm not a military person, so forgive me for my lack of knowledge on how it actually works, but I've got a captain and I've got a private, right? Um, you know, the captain, whatever the captain says, the private ranks underneath him and he's got to do what the captain says. You know, the way my mind works when I think of submission, bear with me for just a second. I always think of MMA fighters and, uh, you know, disclaimer before we get into that, like, I don't really watch the MMA or, or anything like that. I'm not really into that. And I know what you guys are thinking. Um, wow, Daniel really does look like an MMA fighter. Um, why are you laughing? Like, not just kidding. Um, looks can be deceiving, right? You know, I know. Um, I don't really watch it. I'm not really into it. But what I do know, the, there's two guys. They're on a mat. They're rolling around. They're fighting each other. They're punching each other. They're kicking each other. They're, um, they're wrestling each other to the ground. And quite often what ends up happening is one of these guys will get the other one into a hold. I've got him. I'm not going to let go. And what does the other guy have to do? I'm done. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm tapping out. Right? I'm not doing this anymore. You've had your way with me, and now I'm, I'm not going to fight you anymore. We're done with this fight, right? Listen, in a similar way, that's how we need to come to the Lord. I'm tapping out. I'm not going to fight you, Lord. I'm not going to kick against you, Lord. I'm not going to do my own thing anymore, Lord. I am at your mercy. Now, the difference is, is that the Lord isn't going to put us into a submission hold. We need to go there willingly. He's not going to force you to do it. We need to go there willingly. I'm willing to subject myself to Jesus. He is the creator. He is the one who is infinite. He is the one who is infinitely powerful and all-knowing and over all. And so the natural place for me to be is in a place of submission to him. In fact, many of the writers of the New Testament would call themselves bond servants. It's another word for that, slave. I'm a slave of Jesus, James, a bondservant of Jesus, he says. He's my master, and I'm here for his will. I'm not here for my own bidding. I'm here for his glory. And so if we want to subject ourselves and submit ourselves to the Lord, what does that look like? How do we do that? Well, I would say that first and foremost, it looks like obeying his word. What has the Lord already said? So often we're very concerned about those specific things in our life of like, what has the Lord called me to do? What are those specific deeds? What are those specific works? But I submit to you that if you are not a doer of the word of God, you're not obeying what he's already said, then you need to, you need to make the first thing the priority. And that's the word of God. Uh, James 1.25 tells us that we ought to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Be a doer, meaning you're not just letting it go in one ear and out the other. 
Meaning that when you listen to sermons, um, you don't just walk out of these doors unaffected and unchanged. You're applying it to your life. When you're reading the Bible in the morning, you're not just doing it to appease your conscience. You're doing it because you want the word to pierce your heart so that you can draw close to God. We submit to the Lord. Why? Because I want to be close. I want to draw near to him. I want to hear his voice. I want to be in his presence. I want to experience Jesus himself. And so we draw near. And how do we do that? Well, we submit to his word. Now, we certainly should and should want to submit to those specific things that he calls us to as well, right? Now, I believe that the Lord has a call on each and every single person. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 tells us that uh, he has created us and that we are his uh, workmanship, and that we've been created for good works, which he's prepared beforehand for us to walk in. The Lord has good works for you to be walking in. And we should be concerned about, Lord, am I walking in those things that you've called me to walk in? Now, um, often that's a little scary for us, isn't it? Because it's like, what if the Lord tells me to do something that I don't want to do? Or what if I have a dream or an aspiration for my life that the Lord, maybe he doesn't want me to do that. And let me ask you this question. What if? What is that to you? You're the servant. He's the master. He's the creator. You're the creation. He's the one who's prepared the good works beforehand and we're called to walk in them. And so we want to draw close to the Lord Subject yourself to him. Submit yourself to the Lord. And, you know, let me say this, too. Um, It's in that submission that we find the greatest joy. Can anybody else attest to that? Like, it's in that submission that we find the greatest amount of joy and peace and fulfillment, knowing I am doing exactly what I've been created to do. And so, yeah, sure, my dreams and aspirations, they can take a back seat to that because I'm just walking in what the Lord created me to do in the first place, right? And so let's draw close to the Lord. Tap out. I'm not in control. Lord, you're in control. You have my life. The next thing that we see is that we draw near to the Lord by resisting the devil. Verse seven, the second half of it, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist. What does that mean? Stand against or oppose. Stand against. You're standing firm. You're opposing his work in your life. Did you know the Bible teaches all through scripture that you have an enemy. Jason referenced it this morning when he, was, when he was praying. You have an enemy. I have an enemy. You have one who hates your soul. And just as we, we just spoke of how the Lord has a plan for your life, the devil has a plan for your life as well, and it needs to be opposed by you. It needs to be resisted. It needs to be fought against. And what's the promise? Resist the devil. And what? He will flee from you. He will flee from you. So we're to resist him. How do we resist him? I believe that the Bible gives us two primary ways. We need to pray and we need to use the word of God. We need to pray. 
We need to be seeking the Lord and asking him to give me strength when Satan comes to tempt me. That he would give me self-control. That he would give me everything that I need to be able to stand against that. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, I think it's verse 10, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord. And then he lists all of those, those beautiful pieces of armor, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, um, the belt of truth, all of those different things. And then in Ephesians 6, verse 18, he says, and praying, how often? Always. Praying always. Seeking, Lord, clothe me with your armor. Give me strength. Give me exactly what I need to be able to stand against to oppose and to resist the devil in my life. In Matthew 6, Jesus gave the model prayer. His disciples asked him, Lord, how do we pray? Jesus says, when you pray, you can pray like this. Um, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There should be worship involved, right? Um, Give us this day our daily bread. Ask the Lord for the things that you need. And then he says this, Matthew 6, 13. Lord, and do not lead us into temptation, but what? Deliver us. Deliver us from evil. And so we pray. Seek the Lord. Ask him for help when you are tempted to do those things that are opposed to the word of God. Ask the Lord. Bring him into the middle of your temptation. Now, whether this is a direct attack from the enemy or from your own sinful flesh, the principle is the same. Bring the Lord into the middle of it. Pray. The second thing that we see is that we should be using the word of God as well. In Ephesians 6, um, one of the pieces of the armor was the sword of the spirit, which is what? It's the word of God. It's a both offensive and defensive weapon, right? Um, Use the word of God. In Matthew 4, Satan comes to tempt Jesus. And um, three times he brings a temptation to the Lord. Hey, you've been fasting, Jesus. Why don't you go ahead and turn these stones to bread? It looks like you're hungry. You could do that, can't you? Um, and then uh, he brings Jesus to the top of the temple and he says, hey, if you're really the son of God, you should be able to throw yourself down from this and the Lord's going to catch you and you'll be fine, right? And then the third temptation was he brings Jesus and he shows him all the nations of the earth. He says, you can have all of this if you just bow down and worship me. How does Jesus combat the temptation? The scripture, he goes back to the word of God. He says, man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tempt the Lord my God by throwing myself off the top of the temple. Are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. And you shall serve the Lord and worship the Lord your God alone. I'm not going to worship you no matter what. And then in Matthew 4 verse 11, it says this, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. What's that? He resisted the devil and the devil fled. And so when you are tempted to sin, when Satan comes at you seeking to make you disobey or disregard the word of God or to walk in those things that are completely opposed to what he's called you to walk in, how do you respond? Seek the Lord. You pray. You ask him for strength and self-control. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Praying always with all prayer, with all might. Pray. Seek the Lord. And you put your mind on the word of God. Recite scripture. Maybe out loud. 
Maybe to your own heart, I don't know. Uh, recite scripture. And so if I'm tempted to be angry and blow up at a person, I need to remember the scripture that says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God, right? If I'm tempted to lust after another woman, I need to remember the scripture that says, Jesus himself said, if you look at lust, with lust at another woman, this is as good as adultery. If I'm going through a hardship or a trying time and I'm tempted to question the character of God and his goodness and his kindness and his mercy in my life, I need to remember Psalm 119 that tells me that he is good and he does good. I need to remember that Isaiah tells us that his ways are high above my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. And he's good. And he might be doing things that I don't understand. And I can trust him no matter what's going on in my life. Use scripture to combat the temptations that come into your heart. Put your mind on the truth of God. And so we are called to resist the devil and he will flee. 1 Corinthians 10.13 tells us that there's no temptation that's overtaken you except such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but he'll make the way of escape that you might be able to bear it. There's no temptation that's come into your life that the Lord didn't give you an escape route. He's faithful. We can stand against the devil. We can resist. We can stand against the temptation. Pray. Use the word of God. Use those tools that the Lord has given to us to be able to resist. And so we want to draw close to the Lord. We want a close relationship with Jesus, don't we? Well, we want to do that on his terms and not our terms. And so what does it look like? It looks like submission, submitting to him. Lord, I'm tapping out. I want what you want. And it also looks like resisting the devil. And when we resist, he flees. He flees from us. The third thing that we see is that we should draw close to the Lord through repentance. Verse eight, it says, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. And he says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There have been many times when I've quoted, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And I stopped at the period, <laughs> right? I quoted it and I didn't move on because it's like, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to go, what? What is he talking about? If I want to draw close to the Lord and yet I'm clinging to my sin, I'm not drawing close to the Lord. If I want to seek to draw close to the Lord and have my feet firmly planted in the world and in the things of the world, then I'm trying to draw close to the Lord on my terms and not his terms, which I'm not drawing close to the Lord in that case. We should have a heart of repentance when we sin. We've all sinned, and we're going to sin. We're going to sin until the day that we see Jesus face to face. Hopefully, we're being sanctified. Hopefully, we're being made more holy. We're sinning less. But when it happens, what's your heart? Do you have a tender heart before the Lord when you fall? He says, to cleanse your hands, you sinners, Purify your hearts, you double-minded. There should be confession and repentance. Confession, what's that? It's acknowledging before the Lord, what I've done is wrong. 
It's acknowledging before the Lord, I realize, Lord, as I'm trying to draw close to you, these thoughts, these actions, these things that I've done are offensive to you. And, and I'm in agreement with your word that calls it sin, and I, I don't want it any more of it. So we confess, and then we repent. What's that? Repentance means I was walking this way, and now I've turned around and I'm taking steps toward Jesus. I'm not trying to get close to my sin anymore. I'm walking the opposite direction. I'm walking away from those. I'm ceasing and desisting from those things. Cleanse your hands. What's that? Well, that would be our outward actions, right? Those things that we would do with our hands or or outward. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And then he says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if to cleanse my hands is those outward actions, to purify my heart, it's those inward actions, those, those inward thoughts, maybe my motives, maybe impure thoughts that I've had. I don't know what it is. Maybe holding on to jealousy and bitterness and resentment toward other people. Cleanse your hands, purify your hearts. Which of those two do you think is a little bit more subtle and harder to deal with? I think it's the second one, isn't it? Man, our hearts are deceitful. And this is why it's so important that we are in the word and we're reading the word and we're reading what is good and acceptable and right in the eyes of the Lord. We're letting it pierce our hearts. As a hammer smashes a piece of pottery, we want the word of God to smash our hearts. Why? Because when we're forsaking our sins, I'm not just seeking to amend my ways, I'm seeking to kill my flesh and be crucified with Christ. And so we draw near to the Lord and we do so with a heart of repentance. He says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We shouldn't ever be in a state of laughter and joy when we're harboring sin. I hope that when I sin, I'm uncomfortable with it. I hope that when I sin, there's there's a brokenness to it. And so we go to the Lord. And you know, sometimes we think that if I confess all of that to the Lord, that's going to be something that pushes me away from him. Do you realize that the opposite is true? The opposite of that is true. Um, We often think if I draw close to the Lord with a a heart of repentance, the Lord is going to be like, get out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I can't believe you did that. Let me just cool off a little bit and then you can come to me. That's not our God. Do you know who our God is? It's the father of the prodigal son. When the prodigal son went off and did what he did, he took from his dad's inheritance. He left his family. He was, um, this is not a good situation, right? When he realizes his fault, it says that he goes back to his father. And what does the father do? He runs. He doesn't say, hold on a second, you need to do some penance, you need to um, talk to me for, no, he runs at the first sign of repentance. The father runs to the son. So love you, I forgive you. You know, this is one of the only times in scripture, probably not the only time, one of the only times in scripture that um, the Lord is pictured as being in a hurry about something. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord is in a hurry to forgive. The Lord is in a hurry to restore. The Lord is in a hurry to bring us back into a right relationship with himself. And he does so at the first step. The first sign of repentance. Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. 
Draw close to the Lord, and he will draw close to you. Confess, repent. He knows it's there already. Forsake those things. Let the word of God be that hammer that smashes your heart into a thousand pieces. Be broken. Repent. And if, if you've come in this morning and you're, you know what that thing is, time to not hold on to it anymore. Time to acknowledge before the Lord that it's been offensive to him. It's time to forsake that thing and go to the Lord. Draw near. Draw near to the Lord. We submit to him. We resist the devil. When we fall short, we repent of it. We have a broken attitude toward it. This is how we draw near. This is coming to God on his terms, not my terms. And lastly, we see that we should draw near to the Lord with an attitude of humility. Verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and what? He will lift you up. Other translations say, humble yourself in his presence. They're both right. They both carry the same idea. Um, But to say humble yourself in his presence almost takes it a step further. It's not like the Lord is just looking out at you from afar and you're humbling yourself. No, you're right there with him. You're in his presence. And when we come into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the creator, the sustainer of all life, what else could we be but humble? What else could we be but realizing our our own inadequacy and our our own unworthiness? You know, in the Bible, there's a number of times when um, men are given a vision uh, of the throne room or people come into the presence of God, right? People realizing who Jesus is. Um, And do you know the thing that they're so aware of? They're so aware of their unworthiness. I don't deserve to be here. In Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah sees the Lord seated on the throne. And what does he say? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, he says. I can't be here. What am I doing? I don't deserve to be in this place. When Peter realizes who Jesus is, Jesus has just performed this amazing miracle. And Peter cries out, depart from me, Lord. Why? I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be here. They realized, I'm unworthy. And when we come into the presence of the Lord, there's no room for pride. There's no room for an attitude that says, I deserve this. I deserve to be here. I've earned it, right? No, no, no. There's no good thing in me. There's no good quality. There's not a good characteristic. There's not a good work of righteousness that I've done that would lend myself to be able to go into the presence of the king. It's only based off of his grace. It's only based off of his mercy in my life. And so we humble ourselves. But the promise is amazing, isn't it? Humble yourself where? In his presence. We can go there. We can go into the presence of God. It needs to be on his terms, not my terms. I can't just do whatever I want there. But the promise is still there. We can go there. We can go into the presence of the king. And then the promise is this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. He'll lift you up. Reminded of John when he was on the island of Patmos, Jesus appeared to him. It says his face was shining like the sun. It says, I fell in the sand like a dead man. 
And what does Jesus do? It says he put his hand on my shoulder and said, don't be afraid. Fear not. When did you be afraid of me? Humble yourself and he'll lift you up. Jesus taught this. Luke 14, 11, and many other places, he says something like this. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. When we come to the Lord with an attitude of humility, humbling ourselves before him, repenting of our sins, do you think that takes humility? Submitting to him as Lord and master, do you think this takes humility? It absolutely does. And what does he do? It says he lifts us up, puts his hand on our shoulder, he looks in our eyes and says, don't be afraid. You don't need to fear me. You don't need to be afraid of me. In fact, I want you to draw close to me. And as you draw close to me, as you submit to me, as you resist the devil, as you repent of your sins, as you're broken over the offense that you've brought before me, as you humble yourself, I will draw near to you. What an amazing promise, isn't it? Man, that we can be close to the Lord. We all hear this and we're like, yes, that's what I want for my life. At least I hope you do. That's what I want. So let's go do it. The goal in all of this, this whole message, it's on my heart to share with you, is be near to the Lord. The goal in all of this is that we would have a close relationship with the living God. And not only that, but this is the Lord's heart and his desire for you as well. He wants to be close to you. Do you realize this is why the Lord sent Jesus into the world in the first place? Why did he do it? Well, Jesus came. He took our sin upon his shoulders. He was punished. He was crucified. He paid the penalty for my sins. So that way we could be forgiven. So that way God could take my sin and impute it to Jesus and take Jesus' righteousness and impute it to me. So that way I can enter into his presence. The Lord didn't just say, well, I'll forgive you and have mercy on you, but that's it. We're done. We're not going to have a relationship. No, he took it even further. He says, I want you to be like a son to me. I want you to be my daughter. This is the type of relationship that I desire for you. To walk with the Lord, to truly know him. And so let's go do it. Let's submit ourselves to the Lord. Let's tap out. I'm done. Lord, I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to kick against you anymore. You're the master. I'm the servant. I submit myself to you. Let's resist the workings of the devil in our life. Let's not rest in those things. Let's not rest in those familiar temptations and sins. Resist. Oppose. Stand against. And let's come before the Lord with that broken heart of repentance and let him place his hand upon us as we humble ourselves before him and say, don't be afraid. Fear not. Come into my presence. Take steps toward the Lord on his terms and he draws close to you too. So Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Lord, that it's by your blood that you allow us to enter your presence. Lord, who are we? Who are we that the King of kings and Lord of lords would look upon, upon me and say, I want to be close to you? 
So Lord, I pray that we would do this on, on your terms, how you said to do it, that we would submit to you as master, that we would resist the devil and temptations, that we would have a broken heart toward our sin, that we would humble ourselves before you continually, Lord, and that we would have such a nearness to you. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more valuable, Lord, than knowing you and walking with you and being close with you, Lord. Lord, let your nearness to us be a constant reality. I want to give you a moment here and let's respond to the Lord. Maybe you've never come to Jesus. In a room of this size, I'm sure that there may be some of us who have not ever bent the knee. Said, so, Lord, I want to give you my life. Lord, I want to surrender. I, I realize I'm a sinful man. I, I see you. I see your presence. And I know I need you. Please forgive me. You know what? The Lord will forgive you if you call upon him. He who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Bible tells us. So call out in faith. Accept the free gift of salvation that the Lord has purchased for you. That's how you do it. You just call upon him. Maybe you're here and you've walked with the Lord. You know you're saved, but you've been backsliding. There's sin that you've been harboring. There's, you've not been resisting the devil the Lord is calling you to repentance today. Come back. You see how good he is. You know you need him. Call upon the Lord. Humble yourself before him. Draw near to the Lord on his terms and he will draw near to you. He'll lift you up.